0: As if the McCrispie couldn't get any better, Bacon and Ranch just entered the chat. The Bacon Ranch McCrispie. Available at participating McDonald's for a limited time. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.
1: Progressive presents Adjusting to the Suburbs. You used to associate crickets with silence. But since you bought a house in the suburbs, you know crickets hate silence. If any other creature realized rubbing its legs together made a piercing high-pitched noise, they might think, maybe I won't do that. Constantly. All night long. Luckily, you can save with Progressive by bundling your home and auto. Now that's something to make noise about. Just not constantly. Progressive casualty insurance company coverage provided in service by affiliates and third-party insurers.
2: back to the celtics lab podcast brought to you by betonline.ag i'm your host cameron tippetabai i'm joined by dr justin quinn and alex goldberg we welcome in our guest for today kwani a lunis from the a-list Hi. pod and NBC 10 boston kwani how are you
0: i'm good thank you all for having me
2: yeah we we're really pumped to have you um, in the lab portion of the program and we're going to talk about the all nba teams and what that looks like for jason tatum so that will be fun The news segment of uh, the show probably won't be as fun, but we'll probably just, we'll keep it light. We'll breeze through that. So Kwani, welcome. Alex, Justin, good to see you. We potted on Tuesday with comedian Mike Malloy. If anyone missed that episode, go check that out. After you listen to this, Uh, Kwani no pretense to be as funny as a professional comedian. (laughs) You're here for your insight. (laughs) So we talked about the Toronto game, although we'll have to revisit it for off-the-court reasons in a second, but since we last had an episode of the podcast, the Celtics came up short against the Miami Heat. That was one of the first tests without Rob Williams, and we we talked off-air about what the Celtics look like against the zone. Quani, I'll go to you first rapid reaction to the Heat game.
0: I think all of us can agree they started off very strong. It was one of those games where on the A-List podcast, actually, Jerry, uh, Gary said that this was a game where he thought Miami had more to prove because when you look at the way the Eastern Conference is playing out right now, that's the one team where everyone was like, oh, are they really that good? Like, you're scared of the Bucs. You're scared of Brooklyn, Philly, but mm-hmm. Miami was like on the edge. But I think this was the game where they obviously proved that they are the dominant team right now, especially cutting off a strong run from the Celtics team where everyone was surprised by how well that they were doing. So overall, I th- I do think the Celtics had a – Decent game. Obviously, they just fell apart in the fourth quarter. But this was maybe the wake up call that I think they needed as they enter the playoffs to just realize what defensive holes they have and regroup before they get to the playoffs.
2: Sure, Justin, what do you think?
0: I thought it was
1: you know, is it the first real game that they had? Not to say that the Toronto game wasn't real, but they weren't really trying to win that game. So. This is the first game that they really tried to perform at a high level without Rob, and it went pretty well, but they definitely have some work to do, particularly expunging some old habits that creep back in. So I'm curious to see how it goes for the rest
2: of the season. Alex, does this change your opinion on Miami being a paper tiger, or are you still not too worried?
3: I mean, it's tough to say because I think Robert Williams is actually pretty important, specifically for the Miami matchup. Um, for one, he is his rim protection is really critical for stopping Miami's offense, which is a lot of drive and kick stuff, uh, and for contesting shooters, guys like Tyler Hero and uh, you know Duncan Robinson, who. When they start getting uncontested looks, it becomes hard to stop Miami and Rob's switchability on defense matters a lot towards busting that scheme as well as busting the zone as a um, as a lob threat. So I think that Rob in particular is really important specifically for the Miami matchup. Um, That being said, I didn't see enough from the Heat to convince me that they aren't at the very least a second. Tier playoff team heading into uh, this stretch. I just I don't see them on the same level as Milwaukee if Giannis turns up to the level that he's capable of. I don't I'm not super confident that they would beat Boston if healthy in a seven game series. Now, if Boston doesn't have Rob Williams, that's probably a toss up. But with Rob, I, I'm not super confident that they would beat the Celtics. I don't love their matchups against Philly either, although I think Ban is one of the few guys that could actually give and trouble. For me, I, if I'm doing an Eastern Conference power rankings, I would still have them pretty solidly in fourth for that. But we'll see.
2: Yeah, Kwani, I'll put you on the spot. Is, what's the team in the East that from a Celtics perspective you're most fearful of?
0: I think Milwaukee, like you said, if Giannis is Giannis, then there's you obviously have to be afraid of him. I think the East has always been that conference where you really never know, though, because when the playoffs come around, everyone ramps up their game. Brooklyn has surprisingly been a team where despite the drama, they're obviously a threat as well. So it's it really is up for grabs. But I think Milwaukee is a team that they obviously need to keep their eye on.
2: Yeah, this isn't the Bucks Lab podcast, but the Bucks the Bucks Nets game last night was so fantastic. I'm so yeah. I'm so excited for the playoffs. Right. Uh, that just would be a
0: good Eastern Conference uh, matchup. There's so much bad blood. I mean, the
2: Sixers and the South would be great. Anyone and the Heat would be great. Even Cleveland and Brooklyn would be great. There's and then right. we'll talk about the Toronto thing. I mean, yeah, I'm super pumped for these playoffs. Alex, you uh, we'll bring up we'll talk about Rob just because you brought him up. So. Last we heard, I think between, I think when we were podcasting on Tuesday, we didn't know if he was going to get surgery and now he has, uh, supposedly or reportedly had successful surgery and he could be back as soon as the second round. So it's been really an emotional roller coaster for Celtics fans. And obviously we wish the best for Rob Williams and his family. Kwani, do you think that the Celtics are in trouble in the first round, assuming they have to go through the first round without Rob or matchup dependent they'll probably be okay
0: it definitely depends on the matchup but I know everyone freaked out when the news came out and obviously he brings a lot to this team not only on the defensive end but offensively as well but seeing the way this team has been able to turn around their season overall I have no doubt that they can step up depending on who they play in the first round again like that is definitely a big caveat but they've been playing with the heart it's really just now getting back to Closing out games, not making those mistakes that we talked about that they've made in the at the beginning of the season and really just relying on Jason and Jalen to Jalen to do their thing. And then obviously you have Grant Williams and Peyton Pritchard. Everyone's been stepping up this season. So mm-hmm. you could call it probably because I live here and I've you know been watching this team for so long. But I really do think that they have it in them to at least make it past that first round and then be reunited with Rob.
3: <laughs> yeah, Kwani, I think that's largely right because and here's the thing. At the end of the day, Robert Williams has been great this year. I think he had a reasonable candidacy for both most improved player and maybe making an all-defense team. He really has been that good. Robert Williams is the Celtics' fourth best player, full stop. And at the end of the day, if you can't win without your fourth best player in the playoffs, then that probably means that you weren't going to go very far anyway. uh, Injuries happen in the postseason. They happen all the time. Rob has been really important to allowing the Celtics to play at the pace and style that they have been, but their big three, Marcus Smart, Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum are still on the court. Al Horford is still a high quality center. They have a solid bench now in Williams, White, Pritchard, and, um, And Tice, who I, one of the things actually about the Miami game that I thought was uh, kind of reassuring is that Tice actually played pretty well in that game in a reasonably large sample size. If you can't beat Cleveland, if you can't beat Chicago, if you can't beat Toronto in round one, then that probably says something about where your team was actually headed in the first place to begin with. So...
2: All right. Alex said the secret word. He said Toronto. So let's, let's do it. Um, our aim here is just to recap what we think we know about this vaccine kerfuffle. It's four 15 on Friday. This is not an April fool's thing. We're, we're just going to breeze through this. We did a great April fool's prank on Celtics lab Twitter. Check that out. But this is the real yeah, deal. I check that
0: out. <laughs> so
2: let me, uh, this will be boring for anyone who's been following along, but first of all, I'd, I'd recommend Justin over at Celtics Wire has really recapped this nicely um, with some updates to come I'm sure fortunately for Justin let me just let me just break it down real quick and if people want to editorialize, they can if not, we did our due diligence. So this started with the Celtics visiting Toronto and their four marquee players, smart, Brown, Tatum and Horford did not travel with the team. Uh, Horford was at a family event. We think right who's at Anna's wedding?
1: Did that happen yet? I'm not entirely. Oh, maybe it was
2: just per- it was personal reasons. Sorry. Uh, congrats in advance, Anna. Um, Smart was out with uh, some sort of injury, and then Jalen and Jason both had knee fake tendonitis or something, so they didn't go to Canada. And Tim Bontemps of ESPN, as well, he might ask Udoka about health and availability. And in a story about Rob Williams, also made mention of the fact that when asked, the Celtics. Uh, did not want to comment on the team's vaccination status, which through several different podcast appearances, Bontemps has uh, doubled and tripled down on. And ESPN seems to stand by that reporting that the team was asked and they chose not to comment. Since then, Al Horford offered that he would be ready to play wherever, although unfortunately he did not use the word vaccine. So there's, I guess, a, a hint of lack of clarity there. It's been previously reported by Mass Live that both Brown and Horford are vaccinated, Smart and Tatum self-reported or it has been reported are vaccinated. So we have reason to believe that all of the marquee players that didn't play in Toronto are vaccinated if previous reporting and self-reporting is to be believed. It is unclear uh, if other members of the Celtics who have joined more recently, especially since January 15th when Canadian regulations changed, if they are or are not vaccinated. The Celtics have had a long standing policy of not commenting on it. And this morning, Brad Stevens and Imo Odoka on radio really sidestepped the, the statement pretty loudly. In fact, it wasn't really a, a clever sidestep. It was, I'm not going to comment kind of sidestep. So that's where we're at that there is a cloud of confusion, that there's previous reporting that suggests the best Celtics players with respect to the bench are indeed vaccinated, but it is not 100% clear if that reporting holds up or if we're really worried about another player or if the celtics are feeling emboldened by this stance of we're not talking about it even if they are 100 vaccinated so there's a lot of different permutations out there we haven't done the bulk of the reporting i'll just open it up if anyone either wants to clarify something i said or make a comment yeah justin
1: just a couple of things um it has been their policy. I don't know if it's a good one. Uh, the 76ers are also taking the same uh, basic stance that they're not gonna comment on it. I respect it. I think there is an important line that you need to draw at some point regarding you know, medical information that is not directly related to performance. Availability, sure, we can comment on that. We can work around it as we tried to do with Brad Stevens today, as, as the media speaking as a media, not myself. Um, so I do think that there are some limits there, but as has been pointed out by many people, you should be proud of being vaccinated. You should be very open to discussing it. You should be ready to talk about it. You should even volunteer it. Just an idea to make this story go away. If anyone's listening,
0: yeah, I for sure, go. Well, yeah, I agree with Justin to that extent too. I think it ended up becoming a circus um, when it came to the media coverage of whether or not people were vaccinated. And I. I understand why people don't want to talk about it but I do think it's going to be something that continues to come up especially if they do end up matching up with Toronto and then the regulations have it that a player gets exposed for not being available for that specific matchup so it's a tricky situation obviously this whole the past two years have just been a lot of Twitter arguments and people that disagree but overall it's it's something that they can't avoid. So I think, like you said, they should probably just get in front of it if they can.
2: Yeah, I I can't believe I'm saying this. I, I respect that Kyrie is as open as he is, or that previously BL or right. Wiggins fought I, out loud. But that's just me. I disagree <laughs> with a lot of how that has played out, but the this is my stance. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's there's something to that. Although that stance, in my opinion, is not the correct one at all. If, Especially um,
0: knowing he was going to get demonized all over the internet.
2: Sure. There's
1: a difference between, ad, like I won't even necessarily say advocating, but framing yourself as a hero for yeah, that, for, got out of for, for that right. versus, say, Josh Richardson, who, when asked about it, was like, no comment, just yeah whatever. We all knew what was going on. That's why he was asked. but mm-hmm.
2: Sure. Actually, and we should stop talking about vaccines. I think Kent Bazemore, early in the season, said, I'm not vaccinated. I talked to my teammates. This is the choice that I've made. I thought that that was really commendable. So. Never mind the Kyrie praise. I'll swing that to Kent baseball. Bit, yeah. Anyways, I guess I'll close by saying, uh, for Celtics fans, just do your homework. Justin wrote this really nice piece, and I tweeted it out. And someone asked a question that was answered in like the first paragraph of the article. Um, so don't don't read headlines because there's a lot of depth to this. And if you seek to understand, people are trying to figure it out for you. So, anyways, on that happy note, let's talk about our friends at BetOnline.ag. After months of playing, college basketball has determined the top teams, the final four, I believe, is played this weekend, and the national championship is right around the corner. Looking to wager on these games? Head over to the betonline.ag website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code CLNS50 to get started. BetOnline remains your number one spot for all your updated odds and information, along with player props and great contests all year long. Don't forget that includes live betting and your favorite Vegas casino and poker games. It's super easy to get started. So join today. Learn why everyone is saying bet online is the fastest and easiest way to wager on all the popular sports and games you love. Bet online, where the game starts.
3: And uh, just one other thing to add to that, Cameron. According to the latest odds related on, released on betonline.ag, uh, none other than Stalwart defensive backcourt member Marcus Smart is now the outright leader for defensive player of the year on BetOnline.ag as well as numerous other services. So if you are feeling like Marcus Smart is a lock to win defensive player of the year, BetOnline.ag has got
2: you covered. And our friend Tim Bontemps had a really nice piece with Marcus about his candidacy. I would swim people to that after they're done with this. Speaking of hardware, Kwani, you're here to help us sort out all NBA teams, and that's specifically important to the Boston Celtics because Mr. Jason Tatum is—he's probably in line to make an All NBA team, but it's a tricky calculus, which uh, we can kind of set the table uh, around that in a second. But basically, what we're going to do is Justin, Alex, and I are going to give you our first team, our second team, and our third team. Give you our elevator pitches, and you'll have to decide what you agree with what you don't. And then after each round, I'll ask you based on what you heard, based on what you think, based on what you feel, what is, what's your first team, what's your second team, what's your third team. Okay. So, (laughs) so basically we, we argued all week and the DMS and you're here to play judge Judy for us. Um, A couple things of note that it's been reported from the athletics, uh, Chris Kirshner, that Jason Tatum will in fact be eligible at the guard and forward position. The same can be said of LeBron James, Luca, and Marta Rosen, and Embiid and Jokic are both forwards and centers. So there is uh, positional flexibility here. Whether or not that should be the case, we can discuss, but that's uh, a nature of the beast. And, yeah, actually, Justin, I know that you and I disagree on this. You want to do that real quick? So, sure. For for example,
1: I had some trouble near the end of my third team trying to figure out how I was going to shoehorn in Siakam, Pascal Siakam, because he's only a forward, but he plays center fairly often. And there's some other people uh, who we just mentioned who barely, like I think uh, several people on here barely play these other positions, like uh, you'll kick it forward. Uh, and they're considered to be okay there uh, based on some fairly seemingly arbitrary decisions. Maybe there's some science behind it. I have no idea what's going into it. But for me, considering that this team is never actually going to take a court and play anyone, never mind for like an exhibition game or anything like that, why can't we just have the 15 best players in the NBA make this list?
2: So, my counterpoint, and I, I don't feel super strongly about this, is I, I kind of like the idea of snapshotting, like, no, that was the best center. This is the second best center, which to your point is nearly impossible nowadays. But the Integrity of the positions hasn't completely gone away, and so I do like the structure. I think I, I, none of us are voters. Quan, you're not a voter, right? I'm.
0: Yeah. I'm not. <laughs> N- not yet.
2: Um, right. I think just more structure and clarity. Maybe you have to check into a game as a certain position or log it. I, I'm sure there's bookkeeping ways to quantify that Nikola Jokic was indeed playing center at a certain point. Maybe that's antiquated i'm open to being wrong about that but i i think i'm okay with the positions um and you know life will move on there have been historically issues in the past this is not the only time where two two top people have run into one each other and bumped the other from the team so i'm sure there's a lot of lobbying going on and that's how certain players get their positions but whatever So let's get into the teams, and then after, if we have time, uh, we're curious about whether or not this should be tied to player salaries or things like that, but we did a lot of bookkeeping at the beginning of the pod, so let's get into the juicy stuff. Let's do the first team first, and Alex, give us your all-NBA first team and talk us through a little bit about those choices.
3: For sure, so when making these choices, I was making up the decision in my mind that The NBA, the all NBA team should either have no positions at all and be totally positionless or have actual like legitimate positions. I, 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 the half measure thing is weird to me. It kind of seems like things are trending towards being positionless. If that's the case, why not just do it anyway? So I decided to stick with my criteria of just keeping the positions and putting on dudes where they actually played. I realized that this will leave some guys off who may arguably deserve it. That's just kind of how these things work. There's only so many spots. So without, uh, with that in mind, uh, I'm moving to my first team. I think for the guard spots, it was a tough decision for a number of these guys. At the end of the day, I settled on John Morant and Luka Doncic Uh, I think Ja has just been, I mean, we don't need to speak too much on Ja. He's been absolutely electric this year. Uh, He's led the Grizzlies to a two seed and he's been possibly the most fun guy to watch on a night-to-night basis. I think he should be a lock for first team, regardless of where uh, this ultimately ends up going. And then Luka Doncic, ever since the All-Star break, has been pushing the Mavs closer and closer towards being, I think, a legitimate finals dark horse. We saw the Mavs take on the Celtics when they were kind of at the Celtics were in the middle of a run where they were absolutely destroying teams. And, at the end of the day, the Mavs won that game, and they won that game largely through two things. One, their defense has been really good, and two, every time they needed a bucket or a key assist or a play late to get them back in that game, Luka delivered In on a night-to-night basis. I think he's just one of the most unguardable guys in the NBA, uh, and I think for that reason, even even though Booker has surged late, and I'll get into him later, um, I just think Luka's entire body of work over the course of the season has him has in that guard spot for me. Uh, for forwards, I know that obviously Jokic, Embiid, and Giannis are all available at the forward spots. Um, at the end of the day, since I do have traditional centers, one of those guys did not make my first uh, team All-NBA, and... That's not to say that that person is not a great player and a deserving MVP candidate, which all three of those guys are. At the end of the day, it's it, it's really close. And I just kind of went with the guy that I think has had the higher impact. So one of those guys is Giannis Antetokounmpo, a guy who, frankly, I think should be the MVP this year. I know it's been close, but I think Giannis is going to end up being the guy. To me, he is the night-to-night best player in the NBA and has been for some time. The amount of stuff that he is able to do from scoring, passing, defense, rebounding. I mean, he just affects every single level of the game at such a high level right now. I think about the game that he played last night against Brooklyn, where he had 44-14-6 and six and hit a game-tying step-back three. There are no other dudes in the league, in my mind, who can do that and also put up defensive player of the year quality defense every single night. I really think that it is Giannis's league right now, and I will be very scared if we run into the Bucs in the playoffs. So for me, Giannis has to be on first team, and I think he might win MVP as a result. Um, for my other of that triumvirate that I mentioned, I'm going to just flip to center really quickly. Um, this has been such a tough question all year between who do you like more between Nikola Jokic and Joel Embiid. They've both been spectacular for different reasons. Um, obviously, Embiid has had to navigate a really tough situation with uh, the Ben Simmons trade request, Philly's roster uncertainty, bringing a lot of new guys into the fold. And every night he's just been so dependable. His scoring has been terrific. He's He's got... An arsenal of scoring moves now that I don't think I've ever seen on a modern on a modern big. I mean, jab steps, pull ups step back, spin move. He's able to attack off a live dribble. This is not stuff that a guy his size should be able to do. But then on the other hand, you have Jokic, whose night to night brilliance. What I mean, obviously, he won MVP last year. He's a known quantity in terms of his quality of play, Um, but I just look at what he's done in the Western Conference, which even though the East has been very competitive this year, we have to keep in mind the West, even if the worst teams in the West are truly miserable, the best teams in the West still make it the most competitive conference. It's close, but the West is still, for my money, the superior conference of the two. And to see Jokic fighting for a playoff spot with a bunch of like Twitch streamers and off-duty firemen Mm -hmm. is really insane to see just how a, how much he's able to lift guys that really in all likelihood would be maybe the sixth, seventh, eighth best player on most NBA rosters. And a lot of those dudes are starting for the Denver Nuggets and every night Jokic puts them in a position to win. His advanced metrics are off the charts. He's become not just an okay defender, but an outright good one at this point. And so for me, while it's really close, I gave the slight edge to Jokic for my first team, All-NBA Center, which leaves one more spot. Forward, uh, there's a lot of quality candidates at forward, but uh, there's one guy in my mind who has... Uh, been on the court, most consistently contributed to winning basketball. He's had an absolutely incandescent couple of months. And for my money, I think it's enough to push him into that first team slot. You know him, you love him, folks. Jason Tatum, first
2: team, all NBA. All right. <laughs> Very informative. Justin, I'm going to go you, you next. Uh, anything Alex missed? I won't give it away. You have a little bit of overlap, but you don't fully agree, so uh tell us what what are you thinking
1: so a couple of things played into here uh with the lack of direction that we're given here which i think in a way kind of makes it more fun as, as you know gives us something to talk about uh if nothing else so for one thing uh as a now former educator i'm no longer teaching uh availability it's important right so anyone who missed more than ten games, that's that's you know a significant portion of the season. So I kept track of that. I went through all of that. Uh, there's some some minor stuff that maybe colored my my opinions. Uh, Devin Booker uh, later on missed uh, eleven games. Uh, Donovan Siakam thirteen. Gobert sixteen. Uh, you know Jimmy Butler twenty three games missed. If he wasn't playing so good, I don't think I would have him. You know, spoiler, sorry, uh, I won't tell you where yet. Um, and also team record is important. Um Atlanta, Toronto, Lakers, Brooklyn, those those affected uh, my opinions on where certain players landed. So just to give you some idea of my thinking, vet and the the availability thing like if you miss, you know, 15% of of a grade to go back to the whole teaching thing, you can't get better than a B and a you know, a B plus in, in, if it were a grade is the the lowest possible grade you could possibly get and still make all NBA, if we're gonna like make this really forced analogy. Um, So for me, I just went with the five best players I could squeeze onto the first team based on these positional things, because I think they're dumb. so Tatum and Doncic, Giannis, Jokic, and Embiid, all of those guys are in positions except for Embiid where they technically really don't even play those positions. But if they're going to make me do this weird juggling act, then I'm going to put the, the the five best players I could possibly squeeze onto the first team. And that's where I got those guys from, so.
2: All right, and Kwani, I'll tell you what I'm up to, and then uh, we're going to ask. First, you can ask follow-up questions, but we're going to ask for your first team. So I had a similar problem where the positions meant something to me, but I don't know if they mean something to the NBA. So that was confusing. I, let me just, I went with this. I went with Ja, Luka, Giannis, Jokic, and Abid. Um, I'm fine with Jokic and Abid being forwards or centers because they don't always play like pure back to the basket center. And Giannis probably plays more center than he plays forward. But those three guys looking at the advanced stats are just, so much more impactful than everyone else. Uh, Alex, I love Giannis very, very much. I I think Jokic is the MVP. The fine folks at 538, they're wins above replacement player. Jokic has 21.1, and the next highest player, who happens to be Jason Tatum, is 12.4, which I know is not the catch-all stat, but what Jokic has been doing with not that much help is just unbelievable. And then I agree with what has been said about Ja and Luca, that these two in the backcourt are just electric. Luca maybe loses points for coming in a little slow, but the past is the past. He's playing out of his mind. And I don't think any other guards like really could contend with that. And then I could make the case that Tatum is a guard, but I just don't really see it. And Ja and Luca are just good enough to make me put Tatum somewhere else on my list. So, Kwani, you can t- disagree with us entirely. You can have five completely different people on your first team, but tell us what you're thinking.
0: All of your answers just made me reconsider everything I thought, <laughs> especially the point about Tatum not te- technically being a guard, but he could.
2: He's legally a guard.
0: Yeah, right. It's, it's so messy. So what I've come to the conclusion of as a result, Ja definitely needs to be there. We don't even need to talk about that. I am torn between Luca and Tatum because I do think that Tatum deserves this, this season, but then that would mean someone else needs to get bumped out. So just for the sake of conversation, I'll put Tatum as a guard (laughs) in my conversation. Giannis, I think has to be there as well. Jokic, of course. And then my last one.
2: So it's not clear because Yoko should be a forward or a center. So you you have a lot of position, uh, positional flexibility here.
0: I don't like this. <laughs> <laughs> but actually, someone mentioned earlier how um, the way Embiid has basically expanded his game. And I know he's been training with Drew Hanlon, who Tatum also trains with. I know you probably heard the quote where he told Embiid, like, focus on getting MVP this year because I'm coming for it next season. Mm-hmm. So I think just watching the way Embiid's game has continued to evolve, evolve, I do want to give him a little more props because I think he does have this chip on his shoulder every year as good as he is because there's always going to be someone else that's obviously getting a little bit more love in a given season. So I'll just throw Embiid in there for the sake of it.
2: All right. So uh, correct me if I'm wrong. I think you had what Dr. Quinn had, you had and Tatum in the backcourt and then Giannis Jokic and Embiid.
0: Yeah. Um, no, you don't, no, <laughs> ah, no. That, no. You had, I didn't. have no, so, had John Morant
3: No, you had John Morant instead. Of yeah. Rico. Oh, let sorry, me, I had that wrong. Let oh. me go with
0: my
1: second team here because this is a good segue. Because okay. there's a reason why John did not make my first team. I already alluded to it, but he's. Um, my, I know what you going to say. He's one of the most truant students. If we're going to keep beating up this stupid analogy, uh, he missed <laughs> 21 games. LeBron missed 20 games, and KD missed 27 games. And you can make a case, particularly in KD's case, uh, that he shouldn't even be on all NBA, but I think his play is just far too good to not have him included, even with that many games missed. So for me, I had to knock all of those players down uh, to to second team. And so that left me with Morant, Booker, uh, DeMar DeRozan, uh, Durant, and Carl
2: Anthony Towns. All right. So I cover my tracks. Kwani had. Ja. Uh, Tatum, and then the big three from the MVP race. So Dr. Quinn, for your second team, you have Ja, Booker, DeMar, Durant, and Kat. All right, cool. I'm going to go next. And then Alex, you can go and then we'll shuffle the deck one more time. So my second team, I have Steph Curry. I do think that the games missed is a thing. I don't know the number off the top of my head, but there was a stretch this season where He was the best player, perhaps, in the game, other than Jokic. And I'm going to get to this point in a second. There's a little bit of politics here that I'm kind of okay with. So as the elder statesman, I'm cool with giving it to Steph. Uh, I'm going to give it to Devin Booker in the backcourt as well. So I've got Steph and Book in the backcourt. Booker is playing like a man possessed, especially when CP3 went down, didn't miss a beat. I, I don't know that he's the world's best defender, but in terms of offensive players, really and rarefied air. And then for the forwards, I have Durant and Tatum uh, just because I didn't put Tatum on my first team. Although we're going to be talked into it. This is the Celtics lab podcast. So um, missed games, notwithstanding Durant also played like a man possessed this season and he's heating up. So I, I suspect he'll finish strong. And then Car- I also have Carl Anthony Towns. So I I wish that Carl Anthony Towns could uh, have more moment in the sun. It's so weird that there's so many good centers right now in the NBA, but man, the cat experience has been super fun. Um, One last thing I'll say, and this is going to be so unpopular. I would be willing to switch LeBron for Tatum. Uh, I know that you're not supposed, it's not supposed to be a legacy award. I know it's supposed to be a, a seasonal award. And I know that he hasn't played nearly as many games and the advanced numbers tell a very different story, but LeBron has just had a really spectacular season. Even if it's empty calories, it's been so fun and entertaining. And those numbers, if he gets to number most games played or enough games played, those numbers that he's putting up at age, like a gajillion is fantastic. So if it came out that LeBron beat Tatum for second team, I think I would support that, which is so unpopular and and lame, but that's that's what I'm going with. So I'm going with Steph, Book, Durant, Tatum with an asterisk, Towns. Alex,
3: well, Cam, I think to your point about LeBron, you know, it 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 doesn't have to be a legacy award to put LeBron on on All NBA team. He has been as he's been that good statistically. He has a case all on his own. I mean, every night this guy puts up disgusting, monstrous stat lines. Now the Lakers are in a truly abysmal state right now, and I am uh, just fine with that. But at the same time. We have to recognize just how good LeBron has been on a night-to-night basis, especially given that he actually has an outside shot to win the scoring title this season, which would be pretty crazy for him to do at this age on this team, where every night with no Anthony Davis and with Russell Westbrook uh, making the uh, crypto center sound like a bomb shelter, To do that every night with no spacing and no guys around him who are serious offensive threats, I think that alone honestly gives LeBron enough of a case to make an all-NBA team even outside of that. And so I have him on my second team. Now, I haven't run into the same problem as you because I put Tatum on my first team, but I think LeBron is a worthy second team candidate. Statistically, he's been that good. Um, it's not his fault. I mean, it's kind of his fault that the Lakers are terrible, but it's not his fault as a basketball player. player. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I agree with some of your other choices for the most part. I have Steph and Booker as my backcourt as well. Steph at the beginning of the season was incandescent and kind of slowly trickled off, but was still playing really well before his injury. Devin Booker has been maybe the hottest player in the league. It's either him or Jason Tatum. Uh, for these past couple of months. It seems like every night, and in particular since Chris Paul went down, he's really stepped up to carry what is looking increasingly like the overwhelming finals favorite in Phoenix. So I just I, I don't think you can put Booker any lower than second. Um, I also went with Kevin Durant on my second team as well. Kevin Durant has missed a lot of games, but in every game that he has played for the Brooklyn Nets, he's looked like if not the best player on the floor, at least the top two. Um, He is a night-to-night, perhaps the most dangerous scoring threat in the league. Uh, There's almost nobody who can actually mess with his offensive rhythm and flow when he's got it. And I I know that we are, I I think it's reasonable to dock players for missing a great deal of time. Uh, And Durant has certainly done that. But at the same time, he's just overwhelming when he's there. He's he's too good to leave off of an all-NBA team. And I have him second, in large part, over some guys who have played more games than him. Because when push comes to shove, I just think he's a better player. Um, so for my last spot, I mentioned before, I have Jokic on my first team. And I'm doing one center per team. Ergo, I have Joel Embiid second team. Again, just want to reiterate. It's really close between these guys. And if you prefer Embiid to Jokic, I'm not going to tell you you're wrong. I just think that personally, Jokic has had to carry a heavier burden and perhaps done more with it considering the level of talent that he's working with. That's mainly the reason that I have Embiid second. But Embiid has absolutely turned in a first team worthy performance. There just happens to be another guy at the center position who's also done that. All right. All
0: right, Bonnie.
2: What do you think?
0: I think to Justin's analogy about missing class, my our second teams, you, it seems as though we're putting in these players that may not have been in as many games. I know that that's always an argument of whether they de- deserve to be on it. I know LeBron has always been that hot topic, but to the point of him still breaking records while his team sucks, I think that speaks for mm-hmm. his game. So he's definitely on my team. I think it's a sin to not have Steph Curry on your team, even if he is out a significant portion of the season because he is still one of the best guards in the league Devin Booker definitely belongs in that list as well and I'll put Katie and Kat as well and do that in the right order but you know what I
2: mean so you have Stefan Book yes. Ron Katie and Kat yeah okay so now you have the same second team as me so you agreed with Justin on the first team oh, oh, I do I? um second <laughs> well that's good that I did...
0: also copied everyone's in. Well, no, this is,
2: I mean, this is kind of the point we're making is there's 15-ish guys. right, that are good. Yeah. Um, And for people who are visual learners, we'll tweet all of this out when we drop the podcast if you want a a cheat sheet in front of you, especially because I might have said something that's not right. (laughs) Anyways, I'm going to go first for the third team, then we'll go to Alex and Justin and then our friend Kwani. So here's my third team, and I really went into the advanced stats for these ones because uh, I was surprised at what I found. My first guard is Trey young. I know the Hawks are irrelevant, but he has just been supernova on offense on defense. He's Swiss cheese and that's a thing. Um, but just to reward, just an unbelievable unsung offensive season. I'm going to give it to Trey young, Fred Van Fleet, The, the advanced numbers are unbelievable offense and defense. He's like within a shout of the top 10 in both categories. So, uh, I I was shocked, but the numbers bear out and Toronto deserves a little bit of a shout out because I don't have Pascal Siakam on my list. So I'm going with, uh, with my friend, Fred, then DeMar DeRozan running out of gas maybe, but for a a while he was breaking like Wilt Chamberlain records. We kind of were just like, yeah, that's a thing. So definitely have DeRozan on my team. This is where I'm putting LeBron because I put Tatum on my second team and if I'm going to celebrate Trey Young's offense, I'm going to celebrate Rudy Gobert's defense. I'm going to Gobert. So I had Trey, Fred Van Fleet, uh, DeMar DeRozan, LeBron, and Rudy Gobert on my third team. Alex.
3: Well, I mean, I want to start by saying that I'm not sure that DeMar DeRozan has completely run out of steam considering that he dropped 50 last night. So I think he's still yeah, doing That's okay. a good point. <laughs> um, I also have DeRozan on my third team. He was perhaps the hardest It it was the hardest choice for me between him and Siakam, who I think has also been playing really well lately. But Demar's fifty burger last night sealed it for me. He's my uh, he's on my third team, and you know he's just been so good at the beginning of the season, and particularly carrying the Bulls in a stretch when Levine missed time, Lonzo missed time, Caruso missed time, and every night. DeMar DeRozan was there to carry the load for Chicago. I think he's worthy of getting that third team spot. Um, my other forward spot goes to Jimmy Butler, who has also missed some time and, in particular, has been really bricky as of late. Um, but Jimmy, at the beginning of the season, was mounting a borderline MVP campaign on a night to night basis. Um, he brings it on both ends of the court. And, you know, as, as bad as the shooting has been, if, as we saw against the Celtics the other night, Jimmy Butler can still get a bucket when he needs to get a bucket. Um, he's really strong. He's a good driver. He has good instincts as a player. And I just, I hate playing against him so much. So I had to put him on my third uh, my third team. Um, for the guard spots, this was also really tough. Uh, I went through a number of candidates. Um, Trey Young, I think, has a great case. I ultimately did not put him on in part because uh, his defense is really quite bad. And I I just think it's hard for me to overlook that. So I went with a guy who has missed a lot of time, but when he was on the floor, he was running the absolute most dominant offense in the league. Uh, That's Chris Paul. Um, I just, I love Chris Paul's game. I think that he's able to orchestrate on so many different levels. Statistically, he definitely has not been this year as good as he was uh, in kind of like peak Chris Paul form. I think that is a product, both of the Suns system and also just uh, the fact that Chris Paul is, you know, he's, he's doing some different stuff right now. He's not being asked to be score 26 a game chris paul he's asked to be the setup man for the whole offense so in some ways this is a little bit of a lifetime achievement award but i kind of don't care because when push comes to shove i would just rather have chris paul on my team than trey young um for my other guard spot i went with donovan mitchell um a guy who you know the jazz have been kind of a mess lately and are currently plummeting in the western conference standings There's some real tension in that locker room and I am a little worried about them as a playoff team, but I think on a night to night basis, Mitchell has been a killer. I don't think he's been the problem for Utah offensively. He drives everything that they do. Anytime that they need a bucket, Mitchell is the guy that they go to. Um, He is a real threat uh, against any backcourt in the league. I mean, he, I know that we crushed the Jazz a couple of weeks ago, but the beginning of the year, Donovan Mitchell absolutely torched the Celtics backcourt and that left an impression on me. So I have Mitchell at that spot. And then for my last spot, uh, I as, as the world's most preeminent Rudy Gobert hater, I couldn't in good conscience put him on my all NBA team. So I went with Carl Anthony Towns, who I think has a legitimate claim when he says he is the best offensive big man in the league currently. I think we have to take him at his word there. The fact that the Timberwolves are in a position to not only make the playoffs, but I think be a kind of tough out. Um, and that's largely because of just how good Towns has been offensively. And to his credit, he hasn't been the worst defender this year either. I think he's been fine. He hasn't been great, but the kind of much maligned aspect of Towns game, which is that he's not a great defense uh, defensive player. I think Chris Finch has found that you can use Towns in some situations defensively to be solid. And for me, that's enough to put him over the guy who is mostly known for screen
1: assists on the offensive ends.
2: Right, and Dr. Quinn.
1: I had Mitchell on for the same reasons as you, Alex. Uh, I did not have room for Curry. He got bumped. uh, I think there's there's an arguable case where you could probably talk me into flip-flopping. Back to Curry, Uh, Butler and LeBron made third team for the reasons we've already discussed in terms of truancy. Uh, And then besides that, Pascal Siakam, I felt that he had somebody from Toronto needed to make it on on here for me. So I went with him. He's having a great season. And, you know, I actually am pretty into Gobert's defense as well. Maybe I should, you know, flip it and have Curry on there since I already have another member of the Jazz on there and they have not been so great lately. But I, I do believe in Gobert's defense. We can talk about postseason viability and whether or not he can be played off the floor in certain matchups, but this is a regular season award, and he's been great this season.
2: All right, fantastic, Kwani, take it home. Give us your thirteen, please.
0: All right, so I have CP three as well. I'm conflicted between Jimmy Butler and Donovan Mitchell. So I need I need a tiebreaker there, DeRozan. I like how Bam has been playing. I don't know if it's technically third NBA style, but I, I put him up there. And I, I'm not a Gobert hater as much anymore either. So I put him on S5. But I, I am conflicted between Mitchell and Butler. I think if I want to do representation-wise and I already have Miami, then I could just give it to Mitchell. <laughs> so
2: you have you have Bam and Gobert.
0: Oh, you're right. You're right. No, I think
2: that, I think that plays. I think well, Bam is a yeah, forward Bam. center yeah that's I don't know we'll mean. have that's to the call
0: the league office of, of the way that they decide they were. yeah that's a good point. wow I love that
2: I Bam is great I mean he uh, kind of under the radar because I think he missed a lot of time but
0: yeah and obviously Jimmy gets more of the love because we see Jimmy do his thing on a regular
2: right all right uh too much to recap so again I'll just <laughs> we'll put it on Twitter and people can decide uh, for themselves, decide for themselves the visual learners collectively yeah. Yeah, I mean, we're not going to make everyone happy.
0: (laughs) That's what this is for, right? Mm -hmm. So,
2: Kwani, we'll we'll let you go. This was fantastic. Next time, maybe in the off-season, we can talk about whether or not people should get paid for this kind of uh, stuff, this kind of rhetoric, because... That's a good debate. I mean, life-changing money is about to change hands because blog boys and girls are making decisions like this, so... Mm
0: -hmm. And Tatum went off about that, and I think he's right for that opinion because it is a lot of people that sometimes they not even watch all of the games on a regular basis. They may be in a specific region. And I, I remember talking to someone, they were saying there should be an obligation to watch or physically be in the building for a certain amount of games for yeah, each team before you even have the right to vote, which I agree. Because if you're only in Boston like me and you mainly watch Tatum and Brown, how are you to fairly judge what LeBron's doing out West? So.
2: Right. And Tim Bontem says that straw poll, it's not the pool of voters, but it's an approximate pool of voters. Five people did not have Jokic anywhere on their ballot. And what are they doing? What so are that's, they- yeah, there's enough variance here that like maybe $30 million should be up for grabs over yeah. people who don't want enough basketball. But again, maybe an season conversation if you want to take any more of your time. So Kwani A-List from the A-List pod at NBC10 in Boston. Thanks so much. This was great.
0: Thanks for having me again. This was really fun. I like talking to you guys. Yeah,
2: come back anytime. This was cool. Thanks. Thanks. Thanks, everyone, for listening, and we will catch you next week. Bye-bye. For Sachi Wellness, this is Eloquist Radio, spot title NVAF, What's Next 60 Radio a PFEQ 3006000, length like 30 seconds, mixed at Harbor on March 1st, 2023.
3: I can't wait for what's next. Even with higher stroke risk due to atrial fibrillation, and a regular heartbeat not caused by a heart valve problem, Eliquis, the Pixaban tablets, reduces stroke risk. It's the number one cardiologist prescribed blood thinner. Don't stop taking prescription Eliquis without talking to your doctor, as this may increase your risk of stroke. Eliquis can cause serious and in rare cases fatal bleeding. Don't take Eliquis if you have an artificial heart valve, abnormal bleeding, or have antiphospholipid syndrome. While taking, you may bruise more easily or take longer for bleeding to stop. A spinal injection while on Eliquis increases risk of blood clots which may cause paralysis, the inability to move. Get medical help right away for unexpected bleeding or unusual bruising, or if you have tingling, numbness, or muscle weakness. It may increase your bleeding risk if you take medicines such as aspirin products, NSAIDs, SSRIs, SNRIs, and blood thinners. Tell your doctor about
1: all planned medical or dental procedures. Learn more at Eliquis.com or call 1-855-Eliquis.